Welcome to The Grid. I'm Digit Murphy. On our show, we discuss topics and issues related to women in sports with guests who are incredible women in sports. I'm Digit Murphy, a women's advocate and longtime NCAA ice hockey coach at Brown University, the co-founder of United Women Sports. I was also the head coach of two-time Clarkson Cup winning CWHL Blades. And in my most recent coaching gigs, I was the head coach and chief of the KRS team in China to help bring hockey, make it competitive for the Beijing 2022 Olympics. But today I join you on my first podcast as the president of the first NWHL franchise in Canada, the Toronto franchise, which will be named later, because if I told you, I would have to kill you. And I am joined today by my producer of The Grit Live, Veronica Perez. Veronica, welcome to the show. A little role reversal here. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm so happy to be sharing the news with the commoners. Um, <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited for you. And I, I just want to give you a round of applause. Woo-hoo-hoo. And we need to dig deep. You know, I don't know anything about hockey. So I, I want to hear how this all came about. What does it mean to be president of a league? Uh, why now? Well, uh, it's interesting because most people in in COVID, like if they reduced opportunities and COVID kind of came along and now I have another opportunity. So in true Digit Murphy fashion, we created something out of something else. So I feel very fortunate to have uh, been, a, been picked as the uh, president of the Toronto franchise. And um, the way that, the way that it happened Let's bring it back to Cornell because you're a Cornell alum. Right? Yeah, I actually did get a graduation. Yep. Oh, yeah, you did get one. Poor kids this year. Sorry, class of 2020-20 and sorry, class of uh, 2020 Cornell women's hockey players who were denied their chance at the national championship. But we'll talk about that later. But um, the way it all uh, kind of started was I was at a Cornell-Harvard game. Um, can't even remember. It had to be early February, end of January. And I ran into uh, Jojo Boynton, who actually was Allie Brewer's coach. Allie Brewer was one of our all-time leading goalie uh, record save holders. And she was a Kazmaier winner, All-American, just stud player. And Jojo was her coach. So I ran into her at the Harvard alumni game. And we just started talking about women's hockey. And she was involved. And she was the owner of, part owner, I believe, of uh, the Boston Pride and you know, we just started to talk and she was picking my brain. And um, when COVID happened, uh, one thing led to another and uh, their management group offered me the job as a president of the Toronto franchise. You know, it's sort of kismet that you met at that game. One might think it's luck, but I think you've been building your own opportunities for a very long time. (laughs) You know, being an old lady and being around the rinks for, you know, as long as I have has its benefits, I'm sure. You're being so humble. Well, not really. But, you know, other people would say I'm not. But, you know, it, you know, Veronica, you've known me for a while. It's it's really, you know, and you got to really take this pause in life and to see how you fortunate, how fortunate you can be when you help other people. You know, that's a lot of the messaging um, of everything I talk about. Right. How do women help women? How do women help people? How do people help people? How does humanity help humanity? And when, you know, these kind of opportunities come, I truly believe when you know, you just say, yeah, how can I help? And if I had said, oh yeah, no, Jojo, I'm too busy to talk to you. You know, this could have happened and then I wouldn't be in the spot I'm in. So I think, you know, the, the lesson here 
in uh, sports and in life is to always reach out and, and uh, help people as much as you can. And, and you really are. You're bringing, I read that you're uh, building the roster with, you know, five great players you've known for a long time that you've worked with before. Yeah. And you've actually inter- been on the on the, on the uh, interview with one of them, Shy Dark Angelo. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it... <sighs> You know, uh, just just talking through the shy the shy thing. Um, so shy, Dark Angelo played with with me uh, with our team in China in the 2018, 2017, 2018 season. And you know, she's an instrumental leader. You know, she's one of those kids in the locker room that's you know pretty quiet, but you know has a big presence. You know, on the ice um, and you know in the locker room around the team uh, has a lot of leadership qualities. So. I had kind of naturally gravitated, you know, toward Shy because I was interested in her career. Uh, she's a nutritionist. Um, she, you know, she does a lot of nutrition stuff, which, you know, I'm into health and wellness. So we just kind of had this mentor slash friend bond, you know, as we moved past China. So she continued, I believe, to play with the PWHPA tour last year. And when this opportunity happened for me, she was one of the first people I called. Uh, could you explain that to the non-athletes, the PWPH tour? <laughs> yeah, sorry. There's a lot of letters to follow. Um, you know, without getting too far into it, uh, the Players Association, that's essentially what it stands for, um, has this uh, dream tour uh, across Canada and the U- United States for them to um, – you know, get fans and get a following. So she was playing on that. Um, but when this team opened, uh, you know, she was looking for more of a set schedule and, you know, uh, you know, more of a game type, you know, two games a week practice and, you know, a, a competitive schedule, you know, because I think the athletes like to compete for something. The dream tour is awesome. You know, they get to expose the rest of the planet for it with the PWHPA. I think it's called professional women's, Hockey Players Association, and they have this thing called the Green Dream Gap Tour, which is cool. They go all over the country, but I think Shy kind of wanted more of a experience where you know you go win a cup, you win a championship, more traditional. So, anyway, she was one of the first people I called, um, and then of course, then we got Chuli from China, and then uh, we got another kid that they had played on their team, uh, Kristen Barbara. Uh, I think she played for Markham. I'm still mad at her for beating us in the Clarkson Cup. Um, but I brought her in with open arms. Uh, and then we've got another one of the kids that played for the Furies, Emma Greco. She's awesome. And then the last one that we picked was another big red favorite, Taylor Woods. So uh, the ki- the players that we put on the team are really a strong foundation to build around. And uh, we just announced those guys uh, on Wednesday. Um, yeah. So what was the question? I don't think I answered your question. You've piqued another question. You were mentioning that Shy was sort of looking for a different schedule, and I'm not familiar with how uh, the league is run in the U.S., but do you think the way things are run, the schedules will be a little bit different in Toronto? Oh, no. Um, so basically what will happen is you have your, you had your five-team schedule when um, the NWHL has teams in the U.S., in Minnesota, uh, Boston, Connecticut, New Jersey, and Buffalo. Oh, God, I pulled that one out of my butt. Anyways, so um, they'll just add this team to that ongoing schedule. 
And it actually would probably make it a little easier because when you have five teams, it's always a little awkward. So this will, you know, everyone will be playing each other in two game series or home and away. So, um, yeah. But anyways, that's the traditional schedule. A traditional schedule, Veronica, would be like what Cornell plays. You have a set schedule. You're in always in the same rinks like the Buffalo rink, you know, the one in Toronto, the one in Boston. But the, the tour that the other players are doing, they might go to Seattle or they may go to Arizona or they may go to Boston, you know. So it's more of like, um, you know, they just go to a place and play and a bunch of players go and it's like a showcase kind of thing. Maybe this is a wrong stereotype to have, but when I think hockey, I think Canada. So why do you think it took so long for there to be a team in Toronto? The history behind this is there was a whole league in Toronto. It was actually the one that we had played in for China. It was called the CWHL. It was where the Blades played and where the Coolman Red Star played. And last year, um, the players, the PWHPA players, decided to boycott and shut down that league. Um, and actually told players not to play in the NWHL uh, or, you know, they wanted players to support their boycott. So the NWHL would shut down so that their hope was to have the NHL take over. And that's still their plan. So, you know, um, it was very, it broke my heart when that happened because, you know, there were, there were people like myself and like Sammy Joe Small and just a bunch of bunch of pioneers, even like, you know, Jana Hepford, who now runs the PWHPA and Cassie Campbell and uh, uh, Cheryl Pounder and just tons and tons of Canadians that had built this thing for 12 years. And then next thing you know, uh, the management group of the CWHL uh, in 2019 shut it down. So, you know, for me as an opportunity creator, you know, everything I've done is about women and women's empowerment and creating opportunities. It was really hard for me to, to swallow because you just got rid of 100 opportunities, five teams times 20 players. And here's the other thing that always I talk about is that it's not just the players. It's if you have a woman GM, if you have a woman coach, it's all these other opportunities around the game that you've also denied. It's another story you can't tell. It's another game you can't report. So when they shut down, the PWHPA shut down the that you know, that organ is that, uh, that league, it was tough. So there was a, there was a whole league up there, Veronica, and now we're coming in to kind of restart or build on what the CWHL started, uh, in the, I don't know, God, tw- at least 12 years ago. And even before then there were leagues in the early two thousands, there were leagues in Canada. So it's been going on in Canada for over 20 years. What do you think will be the biggest obstacles in sort of that transition? Well, I think from, from our, the standpoint now, the biggest, the, you know, it's not even an elephant in the room. The biggest obstacle is going to be, you know, the, the COVID-19, the coronavirus. I mean, that's really, you know, how long is it going to go on? But, you know, obviously we're going to be thoughtful and roll it out the way we need to roll it out when, you know, due to government restrictions or however, you know, to keep people safe. Right. That's number one. Um, you know, the other obstacle is, you know, really just nothing. I mean, I think it's the greatest hockey city and the greatest hockey country in the world. There's 41,000 women registered in just the province of Ontario in Canada. So there's a lot of people that love hockey. And I think it's a ripe market to have fans care about the sport. How do you think this will all roll out? You know, you mentioned briefly with COVID, but what exactly is going to change uh, with having to be isolated? Well, I think for now, um, 
it's hard for us because we can't go visit the rinks. We're going to have to do it by FaceTime, you know, like what rinks are we going to be in? But it's, we're lucky enough to be in a sport that there's downtime, right? I mean, this is summer. This is the summer off, right? This is the, you know, the, t- the downtime for hockey. We don't really start until end of September, October. So, you know, we're hoping that, you know, it, it dies down by then. Um, but, you know, it, the operational piece is really tough. Sponsorship is going to be really tough because everyone's, you know, the whole world is shut down. So it's really going to be hard for sponsors to come out and, uh, want to get on your bandwagon. So, you know, we know this, we know the challenges. Um, our management team is phenomenal. Um, our owner, Joanna Boyton was a Harvard. The, so Joanna's the owner of the team. So, you know, she's the Harvard, uh, grad, um, you know, she understands that. And we also have, uh, another dynamo named Ty Tominia, who's actually uh, manager and owner operator of, uh, I think five or six baseball minor league baseball clubs. So she's really, uh, in the sports space. And she in and of herself is a, you know, woman that is just, we have to have her on the show, right? She's incredible. And, uh, if you look her up on Wikipedia, there's about, you know, three pages on her. She's awesome. So between the three of us, we're hoping that, you know, we can not only get this off the ground, but build onto a sustainable sports model for women, because really that's what this world needs. It's not just another tag on to a men's sport. It's, and I think the men need it too. The men shouldn't have to, you know, subsidize women's sports, right? How do we become partners in these sports or how do the men's sports, because they're so much further along, become a sponsor of our women's sports? But, you know, I, I really don't think that going the way, you know, to be the little sister of uh, the pro sports is really the way to go, even though a lot of people would disagree with me. But you know me, I'm all ready for the debate. It's normal. We've talked before that what works for men's sports doesn't necessarily work for women's sports. And it's great that you're, you have this sort of brain trust of, of just incredible trailblazers in the sports. How do you think it'll change from what was before? How do you think it'll expand in a way that makes it sustainable? So I think when, when everyone that's in the women's sports right now thinks about it, they think about it as small and they think about it as people don't care about it. And that may be true, right? But the true visionaries and business leaders think about things in a more creative way, think about other ways that they can sell it to sponsors. And I mean, let's face it, you know, the Me Too movement really changed this world, uh, or that was one of the things that changed. I mean, we were ch- changing it even before then, but that jump started it. Um, women have more buying power. Women are making a lot of decisions. I mean, that's that's known. Okay, now how does sport fit into that mindset, and how do you get business leaders to think bigger? And I think that's what's been missing all along. It's the people that care, and our ownership they can invest in other things. Like they could invest in world hunger. They could invest in, I don't know, some, some new startup, but they've chosen as an ownership group to invest in the sustainability model for women's sports using, you know, our three cornerstone principles of, you know, empowerment, education, and uh, inclusion. Well, those are mine, but you know, they agree with it. And, you know, I, I just see these people as very smart they understand business and they have invest, they have an invest, they're investing in us for the when future. When you're pitching to these business leaders, 
does it seem like they're getting any better at recognizing the power behind us? It's really the way you pitch it, right? And I think, I think as a gender, okay, we're always like apologizing for being bigger and asking for things, right? Instead of valuing ourselves. And I think that we're getting smarter, right? And it's not about just taking leftovers. It's about, hey, here's who we are. We're a value to the community. We're a value to the little boys and girls uh, and everyone. We're role models, leaders, and heroes for the community. And that, that counts as something. You shouldn't just be able to go to our games for free, right? Because this is a sports entertainment product that's actually affordable. And those are the kind of things that we think are going to sell. We also think bringing in Ty, I mean, I just think that's brilliant to bring her in because that minor league baseball model they do so many creative things to get people in the building and the way they sell it is uh, just incredible. So those are the kind of things that we're going to bring. We're going to elevate the status of women's sports and we're just going to build on what the CWL- CWHL did in Canada. Part of it is just time. You know, men's sports has had a lot more time to sort of sit in the minds of the American people and beyond. But do you think would it make more sense to have longer term goals? Well, you hit on a you hit on a great point. I think you've been listening to a lot of my a lot of my shows a lot. I talk about this a lot is how how young we are as a a sports product, right? I mean, the NW uh, NWHL NCAA like is just starting to hit their peak, right? Of of how great we've been, how how what great performers we are. The Olympics is taken off. You see women's soccer, and you're right. It's just a younger version of men's sports. It's only been around for really the past 20 years in a way that's meaningful. And you could even argue that it might even be 10 or 15 years until, you know, we've really come of age. Like the players are just, you know, strong and fast and fun to watch. And it's really going to evolve into this sports entertainment product, I feel, that is different to watch. And I still say we haven't really hit the model right. We haven't really hit the demographic right. And I don't think it's ever going to look like men's sports. That's just my, I mean, maybe in an Olympic year, maybe in um, World Cup years in soccer, but I think it's going to be smaller arenas, more community-based, and we're going to see more of an integration with health and wellness companies. We're going to see women athletes in schools. We're going to just see them really down, you know, in the community level more than we're going to build them up as these, these gods or goddesses, you know, that the men's sports. If there's anyone's insights that we should heed, it should be yours because you've, you've sort of seen the whole evolution of not just women's sports, but specifically women's ice hockey. You've analyzed that smaller community-based actions are sort of the most effective, at least for women's sports. What what can listeners do? What can people who really want to support women's sports do to make sure that it succeeds and it is sustainable? Yeah. Well, I want to go back on one point that I was just, um, you know, even if you're doing the community-based model, you're still going to have to drive revenue. Okay. And if you're playing in small arenas, you're never going to have enough money in your pocket to make the players be able to sustain that number. Because if you just do the math on one team and you paid them $40,000 a year, 
Never mind like taxes and everything. Just flat rate of twenty uh, forty thousand dollars times twenty. That's eight hundred thousand just in salary for one team. So if you do the math, you can see how expensive it can be. So you know when you start to think about the models in the community, they have to play in bigger arenas. We have to drive merch. Um, you know, merchandise. Uh, we have to make sure that sponsors are really recognizing the value ads. We have to sell more tickets. But, you know, there's a whole content piece I don't think that's really been um, explored yet. Um, and COVID may give us an opportunity to do that. Um, and, and you know, when you think about what people can do, they don't have to just buy tickets and buy merch. That's easy. What you have to do is, if you're the manager of a company, hire another woman. Because if you start to hire women, they're going to have uh, bigger pockets. They have a different appetite, but they also may be a person now that's going to contribute to the sponsor of a sports team. So hire women athletes, hire, uh, not hire, get more people involved in the sponsorship aspect because women should be valued here and kids should be valued and use our athletes as ambassadors in the community and think more creatively because you know, buying a ticket, awesome, but it, it's not enough. We have to think bigger and broader and people at the table need to think about women's sports as an option that they could add to their advertising dollars and give us time and we will succeed. I mean, you're a testament to that. You just became president, but you're already looking out for the talent and the perseverance of the players that deserve a place. Creating this network and this legacy and sharing these histories um, that can only really be done by other women. Yeah. And I think that as we progress, you're going to see a lot more movement um, in the, in different, more creative models. You know, I just see it um, when I started, you know, and Rhonda and I were, we're talking about the lacrosse model with United Women Sports. Like, you know, we're still kind of, you know, I got my website up and we still tell stories behind that. And I still help athletes in smaller ways, you know, as I've, you know, kind of, pivoted to different companies that, you know, we've started like Herstory and, um, you know, play it forward and, uh, just some of the really cool things I've been able to do, but people reach out to me a lot, like, you know, owners of teams, owners of leagues, just because they, they find my website and there are people out there that really are searching for something. So that's why I always say, it's going to happen. Um, and you just have to open your mind and open your heart to women and women in sports. And trust me, it will surprise you. But, um, you know, I know that it's, it's the podcast You're the, you're interviewing me on the podcast, but do you believe we've been talking for 26 minutes and people are going to be so bored with this? So, um, do you have any last questions for me? I think you've pretty much covered it. You know, I'm, I'm so excited to see all of this come into fruition and, you know, again, congratulations, Digit. And I can't think of anyone better for the role. Thank you. Well, this is just another iteration of Digit Murphy just doing something else. And I have to I have to close on a funny story. I was with a reporter from, I don't know who it was, a Toronto Star or one of the Toronto papers. And um, he had asked me, he said, so gosh, you're going to go into Toronto and you're going to start this program, you know, kind of same as you, you know, what, this is going to be tough and it's going to, you know, what are the challenges? And I said, well, I go, not for nothing, but uh, the last job we had was we had to build two teams in China in a language, in a place where no one spoke the language, no one even knew about hockey. So 
I think that as we try to grow one franchise in Toronto that's already had two, I said, I think this is going to be, uh, I, said, what, I think I said something like, I think I'll be a kid in a candy store or something like that. So it was kind of funny, but I guess we'll end on that note because I think we're going to have to bring you back as a, a guest, uh, guest asker of questions or host, guest host. It'd be my pleasure, Digit. And where can people follow you, what you're doing with the league, what you're doing with all your other projects? Because you never just have one thing. Oh, God, no. Oh, God, no. Well, you know me, at Digit Murphy, and my 37 seconds people are mad at me because I haven't done it in a while since I took this job. So I'm going to start that up again. Uh, so at Digit Murphy, Twitter, everywhere, uh, Insta. Uh, for the league, the league stuff, the new Toronto team, it's just at NWHL Toronto, Twitter and Instagram. Um, and, you know, we haven't, we don't even have our website up yet. Literally, I was just announced on Wednesday. So we figured we had to do a grit, you know, and let's, let's shout it to the stars. Um, but yeah, so um, I just want to tell our listeners that uh, I'm Digit Murphy, the newly elected president of uh, the Toronto franchise and the NWHL. And I am here with Veronica Perez, and uh, she's our new host sometimes of the show. So for both of us, uh, have a great weekend and uh, get gritty on the grit. Keep listening to us on Apple iTunes, everywhere else. That's it. Over and out. Bye-bye.